Hey, hi, hello, what's up? How you doing? We are back, my friends. 10,000 pitches back in your ears after a few weeks off. Thank you so much for tuning back into the podcast. We're in episode 57, uh, episode one, I guess, of the reboots, but episode 57 overall. Um, again, cannot thank you enough for tuning in uh, and sticking with us. Um, and before we get into the housekeeping items, before we get into what we're actually going to talk about on the pod, uh, it's time to bring in the co-host. If you're on Twitter, you already know who the co-host is. If you're not on Twitter, this is probably going to be news to you. Uh, we have a new co-host joining the 10K team. Really excited to have him on. Super knowledgeable in the lower league soccer scene and just soccer in general. So um, this is going to be a lot of fun um, getting to talk with him every week or every other week, I guess, as we move forward here. Mr. Dominic Jose Bizonio is joined 10K. Dominic, how you doing, man? I'm, I'm doing very well. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited yeah. to, uh, to be joining. Yeah, well, we're excited to have you. Sorry, it was only a one-person uh, applause there uh, for the intro. But uh, <laughs> the best that's the best applause. I can do right now. Um, Dominic, uh, for those who don't know, can you give us a little bit of a cliff notes in terms of your background in soccer coverage, lower league soccer, and just kind of, you know, legit legitimize yourself for the people listening? <laughs> Isn't that what it's always about, Jeremy? Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Um, when we were prepping for this or whatever, it, it came up that me listing some things, you know, looking through portfolio or whatever in a discussion we were all having. And I had re I had forgotten how many different uh, places I've written for or worked for for Laura Lee Soccer. <laughs> it was a little scary. But um, lot, yeah, so, you know, I more or less a, a freelance soccer journalist and in terms of lower league or Minnesota soccer coverage. I've worked with uh, E Pluribus Lunum which is an SB Nation blog that people may be familiar with that's uh, Minnesota-specific. I uh, was around for the beginning of Protagonist Soccer, which is a lower league mm -hmm. uh, coverage page that people were probably familiar with. Uh, wrote with them for more or less a year or about a season. Uh, I've, I've had articles in Howler Magazine and No Place Like Home that were lower league related. And, uh, you know, I've, I've written about Ford Madison or Minnesota United related topics for these football times and uh, breaking the lines. And uh, yeah, I, I've floated around a bit. I haven't been on staff in one place for, at, you know, for one long time. Yeah. I've kind of jumped around, but it's always been a thing I've enjoyed. Uh, and, you know, this is a fun way to, to get back into that because I haven't been regularly doing that for a little bit. And uh, my other lower league gig that people might recognize my name in some way from is that uh, for a couple seasons now, for three seasons, I've been the uh, staff writer for Duluth FC. So the match recaps, some of the social media, um, media communications, all that kind of stuff. So, and Duluth yeah. is where you're currently at, correct? Yep. In terms been of here for, at. been here for five years or something like that. Yep. Okay. Very very cool. Well, we're really excited to have you on, Dominic. Um, really, just just thrilled. Uh, you know, to to that that you would you know accept the offer to come aboard, um, and just super pumped to get going with you. Um, Dominic and I are actually going to chat with Minneapolis city owner and founder, John Bizworm a little later on in the show. So stick around for that. That's going to be a lot of fun, uh, getting things back rolling with the crows. Um, they, they were the first guests on our very first episode. I believe Jonah Garcia. Yep. It was Jonah Garcia was our very first guest on our very first episode. So now that we are back with new episodes, it's only fitting that, uh, you know, we talked to a representative from the crows and we haven't had John on before. So, uh, what better time than now? 
to have John on. So we're going to run through some housekeeping notes real quick before we get into the meat and potatoes of the content. Uh, so stick with us. Um, if you have not subscribed to the podcast, please do so wherever you get your podcast. That, that's all, That would be great if you would do so. And then also leave us a rating and review if you could over on Apple Podcasts. Um, it's big for placements and, and how many people can see uh, 10K and kind of their, their preferred podcast feed. So uh, please do that. Also follow us at 10K Pitches, Twitter and Instagram. Uh, is where you can find us there. Um, so, Dominic, you mentioned that you you know have written for a bunch of places. Most recently, staff writer with um, you know season's been over for you know almost a month now, maybe a little bit over a month. What have you been kind of been doing in your in your off season downtime here? I know being a freelance journalist, you don't get much real downtime. But what have you been doing? Over yeah, these last weeks? Uh, with the season ending, there was a little bit of, of work to do after that, just recap stuff and, and stuff within the club, just conversations about, you know, various mechanics that are being worked on. Um, outside of that, the thing that's been taking up a lot of my time has been uh, my role with uh, Footbay English, which is a another sort of soccer media thing I work with that is uh, focused on Venezuelan football. So that's been very busy. Uh, international breaks coming up transfer market closing in europe and and uh domestic lead stuff there's been a lot of that going on so that's that's definitely been what's been the so- soccer related stuff that's been what's taken up a lot of my time in the last couple of weeks so um yeah, that yeah. and then oh yeah i was that and then with with college stuff gearing up obviously also local college um has been a focus yep and you know i, I feel that even with the downtime there's not there's not much downtime you know even no. with the few weeks <laughs> off from the main pod here you know still doing talking flock every Monday, still doing the post loons, you know, uh, post game shows for Minnesota United. So, um, you know, keeping busy there as well. Uh, but without further ado, let's go ahead and jump into these headlines here. Um, and we're going to play a little bit of catch up in terms of what's happened since our last episode. It's been a little over a month since we uh, have had a 10K episode and a lot has happened in terms of uh, the lower league soccer season winding down, uh, getting into the postseason. We've crowned some champions, uh, both regionally and nationally, since our last episode. So we're going to do going to do kind of a quick catch up, quick recap on that, um, and we're going to start, of course, with Minneapolis City because both the city uh, first team and the second team made their respective national quarterfinals, which is pretty impressive in and of itself. Um, over in the NPSL, the Crows fell to Cleveland SC two nil in the regional final there at Ador Nelson. Um, ending another impressive season for the Crows. Unfortunately, we're not able to get, capture that regional championship. And then over in the UPSL, City 2 got to travel to Detroit for their final eight matchup, and they fell to the New York Contour 2-0 as well. So disappointing results for the Crows, obviously, in those quarterfinal matchups. But it says a lot about their organization that they were able to get their first team and their reserve team in the respective quarterfinals of these national tournaments i mean that's kind of crazy to think about yeah absolutely i mean it's tough getting any team into any sort of playoff position in the first place Mm -hmm. um so to get two sides into their respective playoffs make deep runs um obviously with the first team there was an expectation that some form of that would happen but still to live up to that is not easy uh and and to uh do better than last Last, not last year, but 2019 uh, with the playoff run they made there. Yeah, it, it's extremely impressive. It's um, a great reflection on the, the the shared success and shared potential that those two sides have. Um, and definitely, you know, when, when you hear second team, 
Uh, you know, for instance, there are MLS teams that have second teams in the USL that are quite poor. Um, mm -hmm. When you and obviously that's, that's a different situation, but when you when so when you hear a second team, there's a certain maybe uh, negativity attached to that by some a bit people, of a so. stigma, maybe. Yeah. 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 And and so to see them very much not follow that path and and have a second team that proved drastically better than the majority of the uh, of the clubs in the UPSL, uh, the mid or the North. Whatever the whatever the North Conference is we called, call the, the UPS well. on North, Midwest <laughs> what, Conference, yeah, West Midwest West, West or whatever. That's it is. just too much of a mouthful. Yeah. So we call it the UPS so, on North. Yeah, to to have both do very well and 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 not just make the playoffs, but you know they made it relatively comfortably and and so on and so forth. Yeah, I mean it's it's really impressive. Um, and it sets a, another high bar for next year, but that tends to be what they like to do. So. Yeah, and I think a big testament to the quality of Minneapolis City 2, the rookery, as they call them, is that Mitchell Wolf, their goalkeeper, was actually signed by Stumptown AC in NISA. So they actually yeah. had a, a goalkeeper on their reserve team get signed by a professional club. Um, hasn't made any appearances for the club yet, but that's still in and of itself just you know an indicator of, of the quality that City has across the board, not just in their first team, but even the reserve team. These guys are are signing pro con in, in in some cases signing pro contracts, which is right. crazy. Yeah, and a completely new element for the UPSL in this part of the country. I mean, there there are parts of the UPSL in other areas of the country where sometimes that happens, but the UPSL in general in the Midwest does not have much experience with players getting beyond maybe jumping to the NPSL. So uh, having having anybody from from this area in the country from the UPSL and make it to a, a pro contract is a big deal. Yes. And uh, when you're talking about the main squad from Minneapolis city, obviously an impressive season for them, you know, really coasting to the playoffs, um, coasting to the national playoffs. Um, but uh, it will, and we'll talk to John about this later, you know, got to be a little bit of a sour taste in their mouth in terms of how it ended and, you know, not able to get past that sort of regional final hump um, that they, you know, haven't, you know, they, they've made it past regionals before, but they really haven't gotten themselves into a position to play for a national championship and and kind of, you know, take home some heart to, some national hardware, right? Um, yeah. uh, despite being consistently ranked at or near the top of the NPSL power rankings, and that's a testament to the quality, you know, across the board when it comes to NPSL. You know, the regions nationally and even the Midwest region as a whole, um, the quality of teams that there are. But um, you know, really interested to talk to John in terms of how you know. Now he's had now that he's had some time to sort of digest everything and and take a wider view at the season, kind of how he views things in terms of how things ended. Um, really interested to talk to talk to him about that and kind of that dynamic of yeah, we had a successful season, but at the end of the day, we didn't necessarily reach the goal that we had at the beginning. Sure, and and, and I'm sure he'll have um, healthy criticism of of you know how how that all went, but you know something to keep in mind for people that aren't familiar is. And this probably is the case with all forms of playoff soccer, but certainly the way that regional playoffs tend to go, it's an incredibly tough set of matches to deal with, particularly because they happen almost one day after each other. If you make it to the mm -hmm. final, um, I, I saw that firsthand when when Duluth made its run in 2018 um, in Michigan. You know, it, it it's so hard to pull off that turnaround. The fact that Cleveland's mm -hmm. done it two times in a row is insane, yeah. to be honest. That's um yeah, crazy. I mean, we're not an Ohio podcast, but quickly, like amazing credit to Cleveland for what they're pulling off there. Mm -hmm. I, you know, 
the, this whole season, the, the question for the NPSL Midwest was like, who's going to step up now that all the big Michigan teams have left? And um, mm-hmm. Cleveland's kind of starting to uh, be a dark horse in that conversation. But but yeah, you know, it, it's such a tough turnaround to deal with um, that I don't I don't blame anyone for for getting lost in it. And I don't necessarily mm-hmm. think that they got lost in it. They they still play it well, but it, yeah, it's hard to manage. And um, even for example, when 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 Duluth played Ann Arbor in that final. We won, but it was a mess of a match. It was like three three at yeah. the end, one in penalties. I mean, it you know both sides were just crawling their way to the end of it because it's it's a really complicated thing to deal with. So, yeah, it becomes kind of a war of attrition there at the end, yeah. right? I mean, especially when you've when you played your season, you played your playoffs, you know, you played your regional playoff matches, or excuse me, your your conference playoff matches, and then you get into regionals. Right. It's like you know, it, it can be it can be a grind, and sometimes it's not necessarily the best team. But I guess the most the, the team that's most equipped to handle that kind of grind, right? Sure. Um, and uh, you know, Cleveland SC, you know, obviously kind of has that has that formula doing it two years in a row uh, in 2019 and again in 2021. So credit to them. Uh, but let's move on to um, you know, a team you're very familiar with, Dominic Duluth FC, um, Sydney Warden, striker extraordinaire and PSL Golden Boot winner. Um, obviously, with that you would expect he'd be named to the national best 11 and he was. Um, so huge credit to him. Just another in the long line of accolades that, that were well-deserved for him this year. Um, he's playing at Mercyhurst university in Erie, Pennsylvania, Vania this fall. Um, and I actually got a chance to talk to Sydney a little bit after the season and he did not necessarily, um, you know, you know, really, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is he didn't, indicate that it was a zero percent chance he'd be returning to Duluth next year you know he he definitely said that Duluth is in the conversation in terms of where he's going to play his summer soccer next year you know it's a consideration for him that he would return to the blue greens so and you don't normally see that from those kind of players you know especially players who aren't local who aren't kind of regional um you know going back you know traveling back to the same team multiple years in a row um but obviously it would be big for Duluth if Sydney would do that um, obviously, a lot of that has to do with uh, how his college season goes this year, too. Right. Um, you know, when when you're dealing with a, a a guy with that much talent, and it should be noted that he he's quite good in college ball as well. His form is actually quite similar. Um, I think he's mm-hmm. already scored in like his first game for Mercyhurst yeah. um, for for this next season. Um, mm-hmm. When when you got a guy like that, you know, it's it's going to be tough to make any promises this early about yeah what what things are going to look like in a year. Um, mm-hmm. I'm sure that there were people that noticed his accomplishments with us that might like to, you know, make a start conversations. So, you know, it, it's too early to to know. But yeah, I, I know that that him and and several other players that were new this year were were very positive about uh, their experience. Then uh, again, too early to any commitments. But there there were there were some guys that were definitely open to a return that weren't local. Um, so that's great to hear. And yeah, I mean keeping a guy like that in this, it's good for the conference to keep him in the conference. It's obviously good for Duluth, but having that kind of talent yeah. is, is good for everybody. Um, from the experience players get to have being in that, being in the mix with someone like that. And, and also for exposure, you know, the entire country, anyone that follows the NPSL knows now that the golden boot winner happened to be playing here. Um, that, that helps everybody. So yeah, it, it would be great to have him back. And, and he was a great guy and obviously very talented. Um, you know, just the most dangerous person imaginable in in the final third. Um, constantly mm-hmm. was impressing yeah. us 
and uh, and scoring good goals too. You know, I I realize not everybody watches all the games, so these weren't all just like penalties or tap-ins. I mean, there there were some really fantastic finishes there, away from home, at home. He scored like four braces in a row uh, to start the season. Yeah, just, just it was really great. really fantastic. So and against good teams too. I mean, he was scoring against uh, Minneapolis. He was scoring against Med City. You know, all all the all the teams. I think he actually scored against every single team. So uh, yeah, yeah, just really really high profile player that I, I hope we can have one more year of yeah that would be awesome so we'll wait to see what that decision ends up being and of course wish sydney the best uh, as he plays for mercyhurst here in the fall um obviously off to a great start there um let's transition and and go down to the minnesota amateur soccer league uh division one season was very very exciting it became a three-horse race near the end uh between fc minnesota cardinals and dynamo fc st cloud um I think we kind of jinxed St. Cloud a little bit. Um, so they were the the guest on our previous podcast. So if you haven't gone back and listened to episode 56, actually a really good conversation with the guys from Dynamo FC St. Cloud. But they were like right up there in the standings and had like, you know, games in hand. So like they really kind of held it in their own, you know, the destiny in their own hands, basically held their own destiny in terms of finishing at the top of the league. Um, and then, they, I, I believe they lost two to one in like four straight matches after they came on our podcast. <laughs> so sorry, Dynamo and Dynamo fans. Uh, I, hopefully we weren't the jinx, but I, I totally understand if you want to blame us for that. Um, but it ended up being FC Minnesota that took the, uh, the division championship on goal differential. FC Minnesota and Cardinals actually finished tied atop the table on 42 points each but FC Minnesota uh, won on that goal differential. And they were the abbreviated 2020 season champions as well. There was no promotion relegation in MASL in 2020. It, you know, it, it it counted, but it was kind of like I said, an abbreviated season with not all the rules and, and things set into place. Not all the teams were competing and different things like that. Uh, but if you do count that 2020 season, this is their second straight MASL Division I championship which is no joke considering the promotion and relegation system that they have in MASL and the type of quality teams that you have at the top. I mean, we talked to Dynamo and they were talking about, you know, you know, being approached by UPSL and, and other, you know, higher leagues about, about joining. So, you know, this is, this is a really, really competitive league says a lot about FC Minnesota to take home that title two years in a row. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and again, to reiterate the note you were just on, I think people hear masl and they see that in theory it's below on the fake pyramid or whatever below things like upsl and, and npsl maybe make assumptions about the quality but there's some really really especially in the first division there's some really strong teams and like you said i mean most of the upsl uh, north uh, conference this year was former masl teams or or adjacent mm-hmm. league teams so yeah there, there's some great quality in there um and yeah so for fc minnesota to to continue to to thrive like that that's a really well-run group too um i i've interacted with them on and off over the years uh, for like protagonist and, and articles of various sorts and just every year that's that's a really well put together group uh, with a really clear vision and, and, a, and a lot of good motivation so i'm not surprised necessarily by by the success but it's it's still immensely impressive Speaking of back-to-back champions, let's go over to Wapassel now, the Wisconsin Primary Amateur Soccer League. Bateau FC wins their second straight primary cup, knocking off Hayward United 2-1 to in extra time in the league final. 
Um, obviously really, really competitive there in the rematch of the Connect Four Derby. Um, lived up to the hype, lived up to you know everything we hoped that match would be um, going to extra time there. But it is Bateau that uh, earns the primary cup for the second straight year. And this is a Bateau team that was, it wasn't like last season. They, they were not picked to finish at the top. They actually picked to finish third in the preseason standings. A lot of people were high on Lobos for good reason, um, you know, high on uh, Hayward for good reason. Um, you know, Hayward did, uh, you know, earn the most points in the regular season. Uh, but at the end of the day, after a b- bit of a slow start, Bateau really turned it around quickly, um, finishing the season white hot. And they took that into the uh, the final there and earn well-deserved primary cup for Josh Rampton Co. Um, there in Eau Claire this season. Yeah, really great result for them. And and that's a, again, kind of like I've seen it. So that's a, that's a club that really shows a lot of strong management, a lot of um, ambition, but also a direction and, and motivation um, that is consistently impressive. And, you know, like you said, they weren't necessarily rated to do very well this year, but I, I think they've sort of showed us that we have to just assume that they're going to continue to be that that good or near that good uh, for the future because they did it again. Um, and and you know it went to extra time. It wasn't it wasn't like they they slid to the trophy easily, but mm-hmm. at the same time, um, especially in the last stretch of the season, they just seemed to have a lot of confidence, a lot of. Uh, assurance that they were going to make this happen um also just want to know i thought it was really great they played this game at at northland college they had a great stadium there yeah uh i i didn't make this match i actually i was not even in this part of the state when that happened unfortunately but um i've been there for other events and it's really great location and uh, i'm curious if that ends up being a long-term thing to maybe have uh either a final or other some sort of game there because it's a great stadium so yeah um a worthy venue for that kind of match um you know very high profile and, um, you know, what Passel doing big things in the future. We'll get to that in just a little bit. Uh, but do want to uh, note something and, and mention something that happened uh, very unfortunate in the Eau Claire community. Um, Ryder Woodworth, a local soccer player there in Eau Claire, um, tragically passed away in a single person car accident, um, only 19 years old. Um, and after this um, tragedy, unfortunately, happened, um, you know, these types of things can bring out, you know, can, can really bring communities together. Um, and Eau Claire being a tight knit community, that's what happened. Um, raising more than $18,000 to help the Woodworth family cover funeral costs and other expenses. Um, you know, a lot of other things happening here in the fall and next summer that will help honor Ryder's memory. Um, UW Superior, where he was set to play this fall, they'll have the number 12 on their bench all season long. Um, Josh from Bateau, I was texting him earlier this week. He confirmed they'll be doing something in 2022 to help honor Ryder. Um, and, um, this is something to note. Um, and I want to make sure that every, every one of our listeners knows about this. Um, shirts are being sold, um, with 12 strong on the front and then Woodworth's last name and the number 12 on the back and all proceeds from these shirts are going to a permanent memorial bench. That will be at the Eau Claire Soccer Park. Um, there is no link. They're just selling them locally in the Eau Claire community. Um, but there has been talk, Josh has confirmed, there has been talk of making these accessible online as well. Um, if and when that does happen, we'll you know push that out on social. 
Um, if it happens before this episode drops, we'll put it in the show notes, um, making sure that that everybody knows how they can get involved. But, um, you know, an unfortunate event, obviously the soccer community and the Eau Claire community as a whole, um, pretty, pretty shook when somebody this young um, tragically passes away way too soon. Um, but the community has come together in a big way to um, honor Ryder's memory and also obviously help his, his, his family and the expenses um, that are, that are incurring there. So, yeah. um, you know, really heartwarming to see, obviously um, this, you know, a tragedy like this is heartbreaking, but it's heartwarming to see, you know, when, when the response is this, um, this significant from yeah. something like it, that. It's a real testament to the, um, the, I guess I'll say the quality of character of, of mm-hmm. writer that, um, you know, you noted, and, and I've seen a lot of this being up here, even at, at UWS, which where he was intending to go and, and didn't end up um, actually attending or, or playing, uh, unfortunately. There's been such a response even even up here, um, again, from folks mm-hmm. who, who, you know, didn't actually necessarily have that much experience with him being up here, but had had some early communication with him, for instance, for the, for the men's soccer team. And and the impact he had with them, you know, from from the head coach Joe Mooney to Matt Johnson, who's a commentator for UWS, you know, the the players, the school as a whole. There's been such a response, um, just uh, you know, of how tragic this is and how much it's affected them. So, you know, again, that's a testament to who who he was. That folks that weren't necessarily even with him for that long uh, have been impacted by this so hard. Mm-hmm. And of course, our our thoughts and our hearts go out to um, everyone impacted. Everybody who knew Ryder, his family and friends, um, you know, obviously going through a tough time right now, but um, really can bring the best out of a community as well. And we've definitely seen that in spades in Eau Claire. All right. Um, Don't know how we transition from that, but we're going to try. Um, So we've kind of caught up now in terms of what has happened in the world of lower league soccer as as the season's finished up. Now we're going to go to kind of the main current, current talking points, main headlines that are happening right now here in the fall. A lot of that almost all of it has to do with college soccer. We have college soccer returning on the men's and women's side. Um, obviously the big storyline this year, St. Thomas division one, first division one men's team, only division one men's team in the state of Minnesota um, and joining uh, the Gophers as a division one program uh, on the women's side as well. Two, two division one programs, one division one men's program. Um, so St. Thomas said that's a huge sort of uh, ascension for them from D3 to D1. Um, and they won 0-1 in their first couple matches, um, drawing Northern Iowa nil-nil, and then going to Chicago State and coming away with a 2-0 win there. Um, and then uh, the Gophers, under a brand-new head coach, 2-0-1 start to the season. They beat Baylor and Drake in the process of that. So, um, you know, undefeated starts for both of the D1 women's sides. Um, obviously, um, equal time soccer is your main source for everything. Women's soccer on the college side, on the, you know, Minnesota women's soccer side, in terms of the, the new semi-pro team, everything happened in the WPSL, the UWS. Um, so go follow our friends over at equal time soccer, equal at equal time soccer, Matt and the team are doing uh, really good things over there. Um, but, um, it'll be really interesting to see Dominic, how St. Thomas does in this first season. Um, you know, in D1, you expect there to be some growing pains, but at the same time, you know, St. Thomas athletically has been extremely dominant in D3 in so many sports. You know, 
maybe those growing pains won't be as as severe as other clubs who are making this kind of ascension. I mean, this is unprecedented too, I should say. D3 to D1 is unprecedented. Right. So we don't necessarily have any sort of sample size for how this could go. But at right. the same time, uh, you know, St. Thomas, you know, they have they have the program, they have the resources, they have the facilities. Um, so it's not your typical move up to D1 for a program that's not ready for it either, right? Right, yeah. I mean, and, and that's probably a factor is that perhaps they were um, – overly prepared for d3 in the first place maybe, maybe that's you mm -hmm. know a point that can be made but yeah i mean look i mean we'll talk about this a little, a little bit later with um, other schools but even jumping to a different conference within your division within d3 can be a, a heck of a mission um or within d2 or you know whatever moving to a more competitive conference just within within your division um three to one is almost bizarre <laughs> uh with, with, with the challenges that you would yeah. think that would bring but but yeah, I mean, that's a great start, especially if it's, I mean, just in general, that's obviously a good start. I mean, you, no, no losses or, you know, things like that. But um, for it to be your, your first year in, uh, yeah, that, that's really phenomenal. And it could be really significant. Having D1 men's soccer in this state could be a really big deal. Uh, it's, it's something that's, that's very much missing. Uh, and, you know, having it in literally one place in the entire state won't necessarily be the solution to all the problems, but having it anywhere in the state still is better than, than nothing. So there are, you know, huge portions of this state that, that are lacking those sorts of programs to develop, uh, male players. So yeah, it could have a really positive impact, I think on, on the college scene here, certainly on, on athletes that end up going to St. Thomas, um, and yeah, it'll be interesting to see how things go. You know, obviously as the season drags on a little longer, um, more matches in the Bay, you know, is that change anything? Is this kind of a early bump or, you know, those sorts of factors, but yeah, I, I have nothing to complain about. I mean, that you would expect there to be problems at the start rather than at the end. So, um, yeah, yeah definitely, definitely keep an eye on, on the equal time soccer's coverage of the women's teams as things go on, particularly St. Thomas being, being the new one. Um, because that'll be a really interesting story just through the year, just to see how that program grows uh, through different challenges. So, um, Also, the Northern Sun Intellegiate Conference um, underway in D2. And then you have the uh, Division Three conferences, the MIAC and the UMAC specifically um, going at it um, as well. I should, we should mention, though, for St. Thomas on the men's side, they make their home D1 debut on Monday. Uh, they'll be taking on Drake there. Um, in St. Paul. So that'll be their, their home debut as well. Um, also on the men's side, um, St. Thomas isn't the only team kind of making a move up and making an ascension. St. Cloud State will be playing in D2 uh, this season, their inaugural season in D2. Um, they open in South Dakota, um, and then they'll be going to St. John's next Wednesday as well. Um, so really cool to see St. Cloud State kind of making that making that jump too. So it's not just on the men's side. Okay, we have St. Thomas, a D1 team, and then we have all these D3 conferences and and, and teams. Um, there's actually kind of a another high profile D2 in St. Cloud State as well. Um, they've played Minneapolis City in a friendly already in the in the in the spring season um, as they get ready for fall. So that'll be another team and another storyline to keep an eye on on the men's side specifically too. Yeah, absolutely. And again, it's it's all about having a, a healthier network 
of leveling across the state for different opportunities mm-hmm. for different levels. I mean, it's great to have D3 colleges. That's an important thing to have. But having ways for that to grow across the state is so important. Having an entire state of just D3 isn't, isn't going to allow people to get past a certain point. So yeah, having that D1 spot exist, having that D2 spot exist, hopefully they have more of that over time. I, I think it's only going to help the state be a, a stronger collegiate scene, maybe a, a stronger uh, amateur scene, maybe even a stronger professional scene down the road years later. So we'll see. Yeah, definitely. All right. So before we get into some other current headlines, talking points, um, let's talk about our friends over at Stimulus Athletic. Uh, Dominic, when I read these teams, uh, I need, I want you to let me know kind of what comes to mind, maybe what, what you think all these teams have in common. Okay. Minneapolis city, Vlora FC, Joy Athletic Club, the Karen FA, Dynamo FC, St. Cloud. Obviously, these are all really, really good quality teams, quality sides on a you know a international level, but also locally here in Minnesota. If you had to take a guess, what do you think they all have in common? Hmm. Do they all wear Adidas kits? <laughs> oh, oh, God, no. <laughs> Why would oh, they? Is that not why it? would they degrade themselves it? to the point of wearing Adidas? Oh wait, no. wait! I know what it is. What is? They it? wear the most stylish kits in the country, made or the best fitting. Countries. Yes, multiple countries. The best fitting, the be- the most wearable, the most comfortable, and the best looking kits. We're talking about Stimulus Athletic. StimulusAthletic.com. Head there right now if you are a soccer club. If you're a baseball club, basketball, ultimate frisbee, doesn't matter. You don't have to play soccer. You can play other sports as well. Stimulus Athletic can hook you up with quality game gear and apparel at affordable prices. Um, they've, they've helped us out as well with our 10K kit. They help the American Outlaws, the U.S. men's and women's national team supporters groups, uh, put out merchandise and their own kits, which look amazing. They've helped out the Anguilla national team with their kits that they wore during World Cup qualifiers. So this is legit, guys. StimulusAthletic.com, and we promise you will have a great experience with them. It'll save you some money in the process, and your team is going to be looking good. Look good, feel good, play good. That's the that's the motto, right? So go to StimulusAthletic.com right now. Get that quality game gear and apparel at affordable prices. Um, all you got to do is click that design tab, click that get started button. And if you have a design, that's great. Stimulus can hook you up. Uh, they can put that design on one of their great fitting comfortable jerseys but if you don't have a design they actually have an in-house design team at stimulus that can help you get the look you want as well so go to stimulusathletic.com click that get started button and make sure you let them know that jeremy from Ten Thousand pitches sent you all right two quick notes before we get to our interview with john here uh dominic first thing minneapolis city the aforementioned minneapolis city they're playing a friendly coming up in madison at Bree Stevens Field against Forward Madison coming up on Tuesday, September 7th. So this coming Tuesday, um, if you want to go, the match is at 7 p.m. This is the first time these two clubs are meeting, but they could have met in the 2020 U.S. Open Cup second round if the tournament had been played. Uh, Minneapolis City would have had to win a match in Chicago for that to happen. Um, and um, that would have been cool. But we get that now in a friendly on Tuesday. That is going to be a lot of fun. 
Yeah, absolutely. And it'll be great to talk to John about that, but uh, should be a great opportunity for, for, you know, further exposure, I suppose, for them, but also for two clubs that, you know, have a similar approach in terms of really uh, celebrating social media, celebrating design, celebrating, uh, you know, the communities around the club or, or clubs rather. Uh, it should be a great opportunity for those two to, to clash on the pitch and probably befriend each other off of it. Um, and yeah, I mean, this is a matchup that I think even before that Open Cup draw happened, I think there was kind of this idea of like, wouldn't it be great? Uh, and it's mm -hmm. a shame that, that uh, yeah, they would have had to beat the USL League 2 team in Chicago. Uh, unfortunately, it didn't happen. So yeah, it's great to have it, have it here. And hopefully at some point, it'll happen a competitive level, maybe in the Open Cup uh, yeah, in the near future. For sure. Uh, and the last thing here, Wapassel, the formation, Wisconsin Primary Amateur Soccer League, talked about Bateau FC winning the division, uh, winning the league. Um, they're joining the Midwest Premier League. So Wapassel will still exist as its own league, but the Midwest Premier League is, is almost becoming this, this overarching governing body, I guess, almost like an NPSL or a UPSL. Um, and Wapassel is going to kind of be one of those regional leagues within the midwest premier league structure um they're part of the nisa pyramid as well so there is a path to pro there um and so that is going to be interesting to see what happens with that and what happens with the in this midwest premier league system you know they're going to have resources now um and, and they're going to have sort of a, a structure um overarching um the league um that they will obviously have to follow but it's good to have structure as well um, so you kind of lose the, the, I guess a, a lot of the independence that you had being an independent league, but at the same time, you get to join kind of this, this regional structure where you get to maybe set up friendlies against other teams that you may not have been able to play before. Um, and, and overall, I think this will be a good thing for the Wisconsin primary amateur soccer league. Yeah, I, I think it's, it's an opportunity for them to grow and, and, I, you know, I, I think there'll still be room for, for a certain amount of independent identity and independent growth, but having a little bit of oversight might even be a harsh word, but, but guidance from, from other organizations that are operating at a higher level, I think is only going to be, be healthy. You know, when, 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 uh, what Passel started, um, and I think this particularly happened because Hayward used to be part of Dassel, which is the amateur lead in Duluth, the Duluth area. It, uh, there were questions of like, well, what what is the long term goal of this league? Does it just want to be that sort of dazzle level, but for this part of Wisconsin? Does do these teams want to elevate to some sort of uh, MASL sort of level? You know, mm -hmm. what's the long term goal? And that's still yet to be determined. Probably, I mean, time will tell. But I do think a move like this at least shows some effort to to create um, a little bit of maybe professionalism off the pitch and and a little more quality on the pitch. Uh, and just mm -hmm. keeping connections. Connections are good at this level of the game. You need them to really to get anywhere. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, the, the Midwest Premier League was an interesting league to follow loosely this year. Um, and uh, it'll be interesting mm -hmm. to see how the Midwest Premier League's involvement in, in NISA increases or changes. And, therefore, how that changes for Wapasso as well. All right. We will keep an eye on all these things. And obviously, how, you know, as, as these things develop, as we kind of get more clarity on these situations as they move forward, uh, we'll be here to talk about it and break it all down on 10K. Um, that is going to do it for kind of me and Dominic, you know, solo. Uh, we are going to bring in now John Bizworm from Minneapolis City, the owner and founder. We hope you enjoy the interview and um, 
it's going to be a really good conversation. Really excited for it. So stick around for that. And we are going bi-weekly here on the podcast. We should clarify this um, until the Minneapolis, the Minneapolis and the Minnesota United season's over until the Ford Madison season's over um, as we have content for both those things, you know, both those seasons. Um, you know, we are going to be bi-weekly here on 10 K and then hopefully, you know, in October, November, we can get back to our weekly structure. So uh, we will see you in two weeks for another episode of 10 K. But before we get out of here, stick around for that interview with John Bizworm. Going to be a good one. All right. It would not be a uh, first revival of 10,000 pitches without talking to somebody from Minneapolis city. Uh, we started episode one with Jonah Garcia and now that we are back after a little bit of a hiatus, we have on the owner and founder of the Crows, Mr. John Bizworm. John, we've had about everybody else from the Minneapolis City front office on the show. It's about time we bring you on board, huh? Yeah, I mean, Allie Lipscher was only here for like a month and she got on before I did. I was like, <laughs> what's going on here? <laughs> uh, no, thanks for having me on. Uh, I mean, you know, I follow you guys. You guys are doing some great stuff. Like I was saying earlier before we started recording, you know, Dominic, welcome to the welcome to the squad. Thank you. Uh, I've been a big mm -hmm. fan of all your work you've done with up in Duluth, and obviously your stuff with protagonists. Uh, you're you're definitely one of the one of the good ones in the in this <laughs> little slice of soccer pie. Uh, so thanks for having me on, guys. Not a yeah, problem, no John. Problem. And uh, you know, you asked if it was okay if you if you drank during the interview here, and I told you it was encouraged. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. so there you go. I'm I'm glad I'm glad you're living up to that. Um, so let's get into the, let's, let's, let's get into the interview here. So, um, one of the common, I guess, responses or common themes that I got from interviewing guys like Adam, Dan, and, and this was preseason, you know, leading into this season, but they said last year before the pandemic in the preseason, you guys were feeling about as good as you ever had about a club and your, um, you know, potential, not only in the conference, but nationally as well, you know, talking mm -hmm. us open cup talking, you know, NPSL nationally, um, leading into 2021, what were those expectations like leading into this year compared to how high you were on your team in 2020? Were they higher? Were they kind of on par? You know, were they maybe down a peg? from where you guys were feeling in 2020, what was that feeling heading into 2021 as opposed to 2020? Well, essentially it started at about halftime in 2019 at, uh, against Detroit city in the, in the regional playoff where we had logistical problems. We had, you know, we had guys going back to school. We had uh, weather delays for flights coming out of Minneapolis um, we had, you know, guys coaching, they couldn't make it. And we were only able to take 13 players to, to Keyworth. And as you can imagine, yeah. that's not an easy task. Um, no. A, a non-handball call that could have been a penalty our way. And we go up one, nothing in Keyworth. And with the 13 guys we brought, including a guy who had moved for work <laughs> and gone to Nebraska <laughs> and hadn't touched a soccer ball, but was on our roster. We're like, we will do whatever it takes to get to here. We need, we need more than 11 players. Um, mm -hmm. going, going into that halftime, one, nothing down, looking around the room and talking to the guys and saying like, this is the pinnacle of the MPSL right now with, with this type yeah. of team, this type of atmosphere. And it's only 13 of us, you know, 15 with coaching staff, 16 made with coaching staff. Um, we should be up here 
And, and this is where we need mm-hmm. to be. So this is our stepping stone. Whatever happens in the second half happens. But as we move into 2020 and, af- and into the second half and, and beyond into 2020, that's the pinnacle. It's, it's striving to be the top of, of the league. And that's really where it started. And then we, we went into the Open Cup run. We thought we had a, a quality side, um, one of the most talented and, and one that was training um, at a very high level you know, in, in that open cup kind of off season process. Um, and it obviously didn't happen. So it, it didn't stop there. We just kind of carried that momentum into the 2021 season. Cause we ultimately, we only, we, we, we didn't have, we only lost one player um, from that roster that we had planned for 20, 2020. And that was Sam Thornton. Uh, he's a forward yeah. at Marquette. He's a, he's British and he was moving here for the summer. Didn't, didn't happen um, in, in 2021. So we weren't able to use him, but everyone else was back. And then you get guys like Lionel Vang that come back into the fold and you get guys like me to Yusuf. You start to strengthen that squad a little bit. And, and we were thinking like this, this really can be it. So it, it didn't stop um, as we moved into the 2021 season. And, and our expectations were, it's it's to the moon. It's that's the only place that we can go from here. It's it's the pinnacle of the MPSL. It's a national title. It's it's striving to be the best. We're no longer just happy to be here. Every year it's it's striving to be the best. And it really did start back in 2019 and in uh not even in the locker room at Keyworth. We were across like the the the, the parking lot in like a, a grade school conference room because they didn't have enough uh locker room space because the game before us went over. Wow. I mean, that's, that's sort of like lower league soccer in a nutshell though. Right. I mean, you know, you're not necessarily in a locker room. You're just in a predetermined space that this is where you guys are going to change. This is where you guys are going to be at halftime. It's a classroom or whatever it is, you know, Right. but yeah. I mean that, that sort of those moments though are kind of where you see like, okay, we, we don't necessarily want to settle for this. We want to try to achieve something greater. Um, and it's kind so of been our mo. It's kind of yeah. been our mo throughout all of our years. It's it's never. I mean, we're we're always happy to 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 boot it up another year because you know how hard it is in lower league soccer. So you kind of have to to continue to have those expectations. If, if you're just happy to be there, you get complacent. You know, the product on the field, the product off the field, it, it doesn't continue to get better. And that's what you have to strive for. Go ahead, Don. I know it. Yeah, a, a note on on those expectations, and I'm 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 obviously those were going to be the, those expectations were going to be there regardless of what I'm about to bring up. But did seeing teams like Detroit City leave the league and have that space open up in the Midwest and and, and nationally, did that further some of that belief or or change some of the direction to that? How how did that affect some of the expectations? Do you think? I mean, you're spot on. That was one of the talking points in our preseason meeting in 20, uh, to lead into 2021 after we could finally meet together, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. coming out of 2020. It was, it was, you know, who's, who's still here? And there's tons of quality sides mm-hmm. that are still here, specifically in the mid- Midwest, but nationally. Um, and, and we were just like, the, the mantle is open and, and that, that torch mm-hmm. is, is open for someone to grab it. Um, not only in our region, but nationally and, and let's go get it. Mm-hmm. Right. And add on to that, of course, that the, the NASL two teams had also left at this point. Right. 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 And the, the interesting thing is, and, you know, I talked about it too. It was like, it, 
you finally had a, a national championship in the MPSL that you kind of cared about. It yeah. wasn't Miami versus versus um, you know versus the New York Cosmos. It was it was Denton versus Tulsa, and it was like man, like it's these are the achievable things now because you don't have some of those NASL teams. You don't have the teams that have larger budgets than you. And and that's, that's, it's really cool. I mean, yeah, it's cool to have those teams in there. It was, it was awesome going to Detroit, you know, the Chattanoogas of the world as well. Um, you know, they, mm-hmm. they left and, and that does feel, fill a, or leave a giant sized gap that needs to be filled. And, and the hungry ones are the ones that went after it and got it. And if you look at the, 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 you know, the final eight teams, it was the hungry teams that that wanted to to either build off of previous historical success, or folks like Denton, uh, folks like us that wanted to, to to throw our hat in the ring. Now, you mentioned kind of you know having this expectation for twenty twenty one, you know, trying to achieve these lofty goals from the the first team standpoint, but you also have a lot of other crap going on in 2021 than you did in 2019 or 2020. I mean, you have a UPSL, you know, Minneapolis city two team, you have a, a futures program in place. You have all these other things going on organizationally. Um, how much of a challenge was it to sort of try to balance all that, but also kind of keep those goals and expectations and kind of priorities in place from a first team standpoint. It, it's uh, it's never a dull moment. I can say that <laughs> Yeah. there's always, there's always something right. And Part of our, our whole ethos, our mantra, our, our foundation is just making soccer in Minnesota better. And, mm-hmm. and specifically in our area, you looked at the youth, the youth setup. And there, the reason why we started Minneapolis City was because there was a gap that we saw um, not only on the field, but off the field with Minneapolis or with Minnesota United moving to MLS. A lot of fans that, that wanted that more attainable soccer. So we, we had that as far as starting the organization, but for, for players, you know, outside of a a few that come out of Minnesota, maybe go to bigger, bigger schools out of the state. You know, at at the time we didn't have division one soccer in Minnesota. Now we do go Tommy's doing, doing decent this year in their first year. A lot of our guys on that roster. Um, But we, you look at the college player and it, it was, it was basically the, uh, the gap, like, what do I do? Do I go, do I go to some, some place in Texas, Florida, somewhere else in the Midwest or, or, or where do I play? And there's also the kids that they didn't have the opportunity because they're, they, they're in that gap year where they're all their teammates mm-hmm. went to college and they're still here. Um, but they're, but they're finishing high school from an age perspective. So, you know, filling that gap made, made sense. So we, we plugged that hole there we plugged the hole for Minneapolis city too, because we had the U 23 squad, which we really felt was the backbone behind our NPSL team winning back-to-back titles because our, our, we had a, a consistent 50 guys showing up to train and we were splitting them yeah. off. And then we were able to do situational things, 11 v 11. A lot of NPSL teams don't have that opportunity to afford it to themselves. So we had the U 23 team that was, was just cooking along playing, I think a very strong non-conference schedule. And to be completely honest and no disrespect to the other conference members in the UPSL, the non-conference schedule of playing teams, you know, in Des Moines, playing teams, uh, the, the bug eaters, um, you know, playing these, these, uh, these non-conference games for that, that under 23 squad was very, very good competition. Um, mm-hmm. but the players said, we want to win trophies like the MPSL team is doing. We don't want to just play friendly games we want something to achieve on our own. So, 
you know, we had to build that piece for, for those guys. And the UPSL was the perfect fit in, in the area because it, it made sense. So all that stuff having to go on, it, it doesn't happen unless you bring in those like-minded folks that understand why we're here, what we do, um, are willing to sacrifice the time because up until this year, we, we weren't paying anyone. We were, we were able to come out of the pandemic and be able to afford a stipend for our coaching staff. But that also meant we had to level up and we had to bring in, you know, four more coaches, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> actually six more coaches. And we had to split, you know, my time versus Dan's time versus Sarah's time and Adam's time. Everyone has to go their different direction, but it all works because we're just open to sticking to what our plan is uh, at the beginning of the season and everyone's willing to pitch in. So like you said, there's a lot going on, but we, we brought in very capable like-minded folks to, to lessen that load from the front office and the, the founders perspective um, to know that we can, we can hand the team team off to Michael Prunty and Kevin Lebon the, for MC2 and, and they can be successful. We can hand the team off or the, the futures program, which was conceived by, but Jeremiah Johnson, we can hand it off to him because it, it actually was his idea and and we bought into it um, and, and he brought it to us and we can hand it off to him and he's already bought into our club and, and he knows how to make it work and he knows who we are and how and how we 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 do things within the, the city intergalactic headquarters, as we call it. Um, so it, it's, it was really bringing in the right, like, the right people and and being OK with letting letting go and letting them do their thing. So let's talk about playing on the back end or sort of, I guess, a reemergence from quarantine. Um, obviously, very exciting to get fans back in the stands to sort of, you know, kind of get that community back together. Um, what were you guys kind of expecting coming out of the off year? And what was that response from the supporters and also just the surrounding soccer community like once everybody was able to get back together? I mean, were you expecting this boom? And was there a boom? Were there challenges involved? You know, what, what was just that that like from your perspective? Well, the the expectation was low, beyond, to be honest. I mean, it, it has mm-hmm. to be because we're going through a time that none of us have really, unless you were around in 1916 for the Spanish flu, you got no idea what's going on. So yeah. um, all of us were kind of like, I don't know, we're just going to, we're going to hit play on the playbook and, and see what happens. I, I think as far as like the interest level of what we, we were going to expect, I think it started when we, we did our, our 77 inner squad league this fall when we could finally come out of the pandemic and actually do things. I mean, the players were just chomping at the bit, like let's, let's do yeah. something. But on the flip side, so were the fans. So we were able to, um, we, we, we were able to um, be outside, have some socially distanced um, areas for either households or individual people. And we, we had it on a sign up basis per week, uh, once a week. Mm-hmm. And it was sold out every single time, like waiting lists to get in. And that mm-hmm. kind of indicated that as soon as things can open up, I think people are really going to want to get the, <laughs> the hell out of the house. Uh, yep. And they're going to want to get back to normal and, and soccer can be their outlet. And it can not only be the outlet for our players, but also our fans and ourselves running the club. I mean, we, we just wanted to get out and get back, get back to what we love doing every summer. Um, and mm-hmm. I think that that kind of carried forward. I mean, we, we saw an uptick in attendance. Um, you know, we, we weren't selling out every game, but which we'd love to have happen. So if you're listening, mm-hmm. buy a ticket, come out. <laughs> it helps. <laughs> uh, enjoy the show, please. Um, yeah. But 
but we we expected an uptick. We saw a huge uptick in our merchandise during quarantine, which yeah. was, I mean, I, I feel as if it, it's not incorrect to say that that there is buzz behind the things that we put out from a merchandise perspective, and that's by design. Mm -hmm. But o over the quarantine, we saw a huge uptick in our sales, and you know, people were online shopping because they, they couldn't go outside shopping. Um, and that was another indicator, like the, the interest continued throughout the pandemic and, and I think it's going to be okay. Um, and, and it was, it was good. I mean, seeing that we, you know, we drew, we drew big for our, our traditional games, you know, we draw big typically at home for Duluth, um, seeing that joy of the people was back in our, uh, a local team was back mm -hmm. in our conference, seeing that VSLT was a huge draw for us. Twin stars was a mm -hmm. huge draw for us. Um, that, that game, I don't know if either of you were there, but it was, it felt like it was, there was 20,000 people there. It was, it was packed. Yeah. Um, and, and so we, we started seeing that normal uptick for some God known reason. Uh, we draw huge for Sioux Falls at home. I don't know what it is. I don't know. <laughs> Historically speaking, it, outside of our Duluth game um, and maybe our, our 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 last game of the season, it is our biggest game, um, and it continued this year. It, outside of the Joy game, it was our our biggest draw. So we were seeing people come, and and then you know we were lucky to host the playoffs, and and those games were were heavily attended. So I, I think it was it was a good success, and it was a little it, it kind of outkicked our expectations a little bit, um, but I, I think that you know. We, we could have expected it to be kind of a flop year. Um, you know, people mm -hmm. had to decide what to do from an entertainment perspective and the professional sports in our market, um, which some MPSL teams don't have to fight against other, uh, you know, other professional sports in, in a, you know, a top 10 media market like, like we do. Um, but we saw people coming and we, we heard the chatter, a lot of new people coming, a lot of, we started seeing people tailgating in the Augsburg parking lot before our games. And we're like, mm -hmm. okay, this is cool. Like people are actually seeing that the attainable, affordable, exciting local soccer that we've been trying to put out there is actually something to check out. And that might've been mm -hmm. a result of the pandemic might've been all the messaging we did to try to keep ourselves mm -hmm. relevant. Um, we, I, I got a message on Twitter the other day, uh, uh, someone who just said like, oh, I finally got around to send you a message. Um, I, I came out to a game this year because I heard you and Nate doing the esports call for the lower league e-cup. And I, it, it was fun to watch and, and you guys were over the top and, and I thought it was great. So I want to check out one of your games and now I'm going to buy season tickets for 2022. So it's like all the things we were doing to kind of keep ourselves out there um they worked and and luckily we were successful and people wanted to come out did um i'm still processing by the way that city sioux falls is apparently the best rivalry in the mpsl north but no not, uh, not, not rivalry <laughs> it's the highest <laughs> match at home for us typically. Yeah, gotcha. the hottest um, ticket in town yeah, yeah 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 come get it you you mentioned that uh some of the merch sales stuff changed while lockdown was still in or towards the end of lockdown um, was, was there any change like from, from a marketing standpoint of how you, once you noted that that was happening, did, was there any change in how you approached merch and marketing to kind of take advantage of that focus? Did anything change during that? Uh, we put out our anniversary kit, okay. the, the black and gold wing kit. 
And that took off. Like I, I woke up the next morning. I, 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 to be completely honest, I have little to zero knowledge or effect of our merchandise outside mm. of the fact that people ask me for some, I tell them that I have to also buy it. So they're out of luck. <laughs> um, so I, I woke up in the morning and saw like 400 notifications on my phone. And I was like, what happened? Like who died? Mm -hmm. Like what's going yeah. on? Um, and what did I, we I tweet? Saw, <laughs> yeah, yeah. What did I say? Oh no. Who hit send when they shouldn't have? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I thought I was safe. What did I say? Um, but I, I had known we were going to be putting out the anniversary kit, but I didn't know when it was going to launch. And that was apparently the launch. And I woke up late that day and holy cow, it took off. So it, it wasn't really, you know, to answer your question, Dominic, it wasn't really a change in what we do or what we typically have done. It was more so that um, it, it just interest. I think people were just online and and searching for things and and right. we weren't doing anything really different. It did help that Atmosphere on Instagram liked a few of our, our posts and a oh. few of our merchandise um, options that we put out mm -hmm. there and we, we, we got them a, uh, a personalized one. So that was good. Um, nice. but I'm so wait, if you're listening to atmosphere, I'm so waiting for you to send that picture back wearing it. Um, <laughs> uh, but no, we didn't do anything special outside sure. of just like putting out the merchandise we had planned for. Um, right. and more know, about just identifying a moment yeah, rather it, than changing. Yeah. Right. Yep. Absolutely. And, and that was the, the key moment for the off season was that, and it, it really helped. And then we, we did strike up a partnership with classic football shirts in the UK. Uh, that was before the, I think it was slightly before the pandemic. Mm. Uh, they sold 200 of our jerseys, uh, and then did another order, uh, for, I think a few, uh, quite a bit more. Um, so apparently there's our jerseys walking all over, <laughs> all over the UK. Uh, yep. but I mean that, that helped as well. It kind of broadened our audience. And then we started seeing like, if you, if you follow us on social, you'll start seeing like the football manager guys from the UK, have kind of taken a liking to us and, and their audiences. And, and we saw, we saw all of that. I mean, kind of go back to your original question, Jeremy, about, um, you know, what, what we could expect post pandemic. Uh, we, we couldn't have expected that our, our e audience grew as much as it did, like our, um, across the pond, uh, a lot of people buying the out of town membership, a lot of people, um, watching our streams and, and being more active on social, the, the football manager guys. And I think that was probably due in part to the, the street level buzz that was happening by having our shirts sold in the UK. That's awesome. And I mean, I definitely saw that here. I mean, the, the football manager guys still mention you like daily on uh on twitter like you know whatever <laughs> whatever career mode or I, I have no idea how football manager works obviously but like whatever you know they're going through in their career mode or whatever it's like it, it's it's interesting like i look forward to seeing that come across my timeline I'm like what's virtual minneapolis city how are they doing <laughs> in this hypothetical league that i really have no interest in but also i'm kind of interested in it like it's just it's super weird but it's also it's those little things that sort of just continue to a put your brain in front of people but also shows you know how how much that can spread and especially in uh in the pandemic age where everything was done virtually you know if you can kind of take advantage of that moment as dominic alluded to you know, it, it can really expand your audience to more than just yeah. the local and i think that's what brands saw all across the board in all walks of you know every industry that 
you know, a lot of like small businesses or local brands saw national, in some cases, international interest expansion from everybody just being online more. Right. And right. you guys were a beneficiary of that for sure. I did find out that virtual Jonah Garcia and football manager also has a six pack apparently. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so let's talk about what happened on the field this season. Um, I mean, just when when I say white hot start, that like doesn't even do it justice. I mean, you guys won your first 10 games. You had a goal differential of nearly or over 30. I can't remember what exactly the goal differential was, but it was mm-hmm. it was quite insane. Um, did you obviously you didn't anticipate this, but at what point in the season did you get that legitimate feeling like? we could potentially run the table here. Like when, when did you get that feeling? Like, okay, we're, we're significantly good. Like we're, we're, we knew we'd be good, but Holy cow, this is beyond anything we could have anticipated. Well, there was the stretch of joy of the P or I think, no, it was joy of the people med city Duluth. Not quite sure that order. Uh, but it was that stretch where you look at, you looked at the, you know, no disrespect to the heiresses and the, and the, and the Dakotas of the world. Um, but you look at that historical stretch as like the, the gauntlet you got to run and, and whoever comes out with the most points out of that, that run um, typically is, is, is set in pole position. Um, I, I believe Nate and I uh, of the famous world famous people's pitch, uh, we did the math and we found out that um, I believe it's 20, 26 points guarantees you a tie for the division and 27 wins you the division outright. So it was kind of the, that's kind of been the benchmark of going into the season, like first one to 26, and then we'll figure it out mm-hmm. from there. Um, through that stretch, uh, we, we gave up uh, three, sorry, three goal or sorry, four goals in that, in that three game stretch is the most goals we've given up uh, in that stretch. Um, but we scored something like it was something like nine or 10 goals. So at that point I was started thinking like, okay, so it, it's, it's really us dropping the ball here um, because we just went through that run. Um, and those were the top teams. And at that point, when we, when we played that med city match, they were nationally ranked uh, in the top 10. They mm-hmm. were, they were, they were just kind of running through. They hadn't played Dakota. Uh, they hadn't played Duluth ourselves or, or they had played joy to the people, but they hadn't played Duluth or ourselves, which uh, you know, I, I anticipated that joy was going to do some, make some noise in the conference because mm-hmm. of the, the talented players they had, but being a, a first year club, there's first year club things. And I was waiting for them to mm-hmm. kind of run into that. Um, and they did a little bit, um, but they still had the, the, the talent and the coaching staff to be able to pull it off. But that, that med city at home game where they were flying high and we won two nothing. And, and it looked as if our guys hadn't gotten out of second gear and, and the possession was like 70, 30 in favor of Minneapolis mm-hmm. city. And I was like, okay, this, this is where I'm starting to actually get the, 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 the bug, the bug has bit me. Like this could be special yeah. because this is one of the best teams and then come in Duluth scores some goals on us, but we counter that. And typically we fold in the, in the past when we've gotten one, maybe two goals scored on us, we don't win that game. And then we, mm-hmm. we rebounded and we're able to win those games and going on the road to joy and doing that there, it, it started to feel special. And it started to be like, maybe our lofty, lofty expectations are starting to align now with what we're seeing on the field. 
unfortunately the uh undefeated regular season was not to be um that the losing in the final match you mentioned joy of the people um they they were able to get you there in the regular season finale but mm-hmm. um you move on to playoffs you're you know you're coming off a loss in the last match of the regular season but you had already had the division the conference title clinched at that point um you know being that you guys had such a successful regular season you know like like i said the goal differential is insane you know aside from the last match you had won every game you played uh how how high were you on your chances nationally um and and how do you how how did you think you would stack up nationally against the team? Because obviously when you play your own conference, that's one thing. But NPS still obviously has some really, really good teams nationally. I mean, we saw it with Cleveland. You know, the Michigan teams are always traditionally good. When you compared yourself to those teams, you know, how were you feeling about your chances specifically in those kind of matches leading into the playoffs? Well, if you looked at like the run of play throughout the season, um, the success we had was second half scoring. And it was it was keeping the ball and, and like methodically finding the opportunities to score. And in the past, we've kind of hit the accelerator in the offensive third and been like, we got to score goals. Uh, where this year we were keeping the ball more, we were wearing teams down. And with the depth that we had and the talent we had, we were able to 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 find those ways that maybe we were setting them up throughout the course of a of a of a half. And we 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 saw watching tape that the the other folks in our in our region it, it was a lot of shootouts it was a lot of mm-hmm. you know three two f- some five to fours um not a lot of one nothings not a lot of two to ones three to twos um it was people from a defensive perspective kind of just <laughs> throwing caution to the wind um and we mm-hmm. really felt confident that if we can host um you know first and foremost get into the playoffs um but if we can get into the playoffs and we can maybe host um, being at home with our, our playing style, maybe we can break some of these teams down and equalize what their strengths were. And mm-hmm. I, I think, you know, w- you saw that in the Carpathia game because, you know, they had, had to go to <laughs> poor guys. They, uh, they had to go to Duluth on a, on a Tuesday and then come back to Minneapolis on a Friday. Uh, that's mm-hmm. not fun for anybody. Um, but I'm sure Dominic uh, feels really sorry for them. over Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure he's, so he's he's hurting for Carpathia. Yes, my favorite club. Yeah, well, we we took care of him for you. <laughs> uh, but it started with with that game where they they had to they had to travel, and it was kind of like smelling blood in the water. It's like, okay, let's just wear these guys out because they probably don't have a ton left, and let's just score some goals, and 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 move on to the next step, one game at a time. Um, but unfortunately, uh, what happened was we we ran into what I like to call the, the snake in the grass and that that's Cleveland SC um, mm-hmm. Cleveland is one of those teams in that, that, that has just historically done well in the region um, when they were uh, AC ASC Cleveland before they were Cleveland SC um, those teams ju- in that, that soccer of that area. Like I'm a, I'm an Ohio South guy. I was born in Dayton, grew up there and played soccer there. Ohio North was kind of our, our stepchild, but it was, it was really uh really high level soccer at Ohio North. And a lot of those, those players are, are a product of it. And, and they just are a team that no matter what, what is stacked against them, for some reason, they just, they just lay in the lay, lay waiting. And then they just capitalize. And you saw that in our game, like there was nothing we could do 
in that game that would have changed the landscape of it. Uh, we, we hit the post in, in the first half three times. Um, mm -hmm. You know, we, we had a goal called back. They had two shots on goal and both went in. That's mm -hmm. soccer. But that's the type of soccer that we saw them play. And we were just hoping that we could maybe counter that with what we do. And, and it was just on the day, it was that unlucky stuff that got in the way. Uh, but we were really thinking that we could, we could compete, but you know, I was asked the question, someone asked me the same question like two days after we lost. And I said, you know, it, yeah, it stings. It sucks. We lost. We, I, I thought we were going to go to the final four. I really did. Um, mm -hmm. Especially seeing who we were playing against and, and how we matched up. Um, but to be honest, you got to take some of those punches to the gut to figure out how to get there. And, and yep. Cleveland was that team. They've been punched in the they've been punched in the gut, the face, you know, kicked in the balls. They figured they but they but they they continue mm -hmm. to build off of it and they and they've gotten there. And this was just our first shot that we've taken. So but now we know, you know, and, and each year we build and you know, hopefully we learned and, and this is the success that um we this is the the things to success that we can build on as we move forward. But yeah, you know, it hurt. I thought I thought it was our year. Um, but you know, there's always next year if you're, especially if you're a Cubs fan. <laughs> well, uh, so unfortunately I'm not that I'm not. <laughs> either. I'm not um, a Cubs fan. To that point, John, I mean, have you been able at this point to kind of put your finger on what that it factor sort of is when you get to the playoffs? I mean, obviously the regular season can be kind of a grind. Uh, Dominic and I were talking in our previous segment, how once you get to the playoffs, especially when you get to kind of the Midwest, Midwest regional playoffs or any sort of regional playoff structure, it's almost kind of a war of attrition. It's almost kind of more mental than it is because all the teams that get to that point are good, right? They can mm -hmm. all play soccer at a pretty high level. Um, you know, so from my vantage point, it seems, you know, who has been there before, who has kind of the, the mental capacity to sort of get through a lot of the, the, the aches and the pains and the, you know, the, the, the grind, grind. that, that it is getting yeah. to that point. Have you been able to put your finger on kind of what that it factor is and kind of that next step in your ascension, what that is to sort of maybe get over that hump? I think it's continuing the intensity, like, you know, however hard it is to say, I, I'm really glad that, that it wasn't an undefeated run to go into the playoffs. Mm -hmm. You know, do I like to lose? No, <laughs> nobody likes to lose. Mm -hmm. um, but having that adversity before you go into the playoff, I think is, is, is okay. It, it, mm -hmm. It's, it lessens the load a little bit because specifically because you, you won that you win the division and then it's like you drop one. Okay. Um, but mm -hmm. I, I think it's that in carrying that intensity because it's really, really hard to do, you know, you, you guys both know the grind of the season is just so hard and th we don't have the trap. I, I, I was talking with, you know, um, the folks in Denton and they, I mean, their travel is like eight hours, seven hours, six hours, and we don't have that, but that, but the, the, the grind of our travel in, in the Midwest North, it, it actually does kind of suck for for some reason it's not too far, but it's far enough. And you're just kind of annoyed mm -hmm. by it. Um, but to, to carry the intensity throughout the season to win the title is really difficult. in then PSL North, and a lot of people don't understand that across the country because everyone says their conference is the toughest um, mm -hmm. <laughs> and rightly so, but to carry that momentum into the playoffs, it, it's almost like you have to light another fire right before you go into the playoffs. And I, I thought mm. we had that in the joy loss. It was kind of the figuring out of like, okay, well, when things don't work, we need to figure out how to make them work. And it didn't work on mm. that day. We watched film, we dissected everything. 
we fixed some things. Um, you know, we we adjusted some personnel um, to to make things work going into the playoffs, and 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 that's what we did. And I, but I think it's even more of a lighting of that fire, that intensity. Like now, it's a it's like punching in for a different job or getting a job promotion, and you're all excited. You want to you want to do well. I, I think that mm-hmm. that we have to intensify that next time we're afforded that opportunity. So let's talk about Minneapolis City two now um because this was a storyline in and of itself in terms of inaugural upsl season for the rookery um and you guys win the division championship i mean what what were the expectations for i mean you you kind of already answered this in in our previous question about, about how you're balancing everything but coming into an inaugural season there is some unknown there um did you know you had the roster in place to compete with you know what was looking to be a good Vlora side after their 2019 title run. Um, a lot of other new teams entering the league as well. Um, I mean, did you guys know that, that you had the roster and you had the talent to sort of win right off the bat or did that even surprise you a little bit? I mean, if you look at the returners we had from our, our previous U23 squad and then some of the players we brought in, um, we knew we, we had the the horses to run the race. Um, but what we didn't know is what to expect in the conference because we've never been in there before. And, and, you know, when we, when we entered the NPSL in 2017, um, we had built a roster to win the PLA, which is what we, what we came from. And then we saw what Duluth had built and, and the model that they had, and that team was tailor-made to win the NPSL North conference. You know, the, the old, the, the, the team with, you know, the Corcoran's and the Morgans and, uh, you know, uh, the Watts, I mean, all, all the Duluth legends that probably hang on a banner somewhere in, in Duluth <laughs> that I don't know about. Um, but moving into, in, into the MPSL, we, we didn't know what to expect. We figured out what to expect. We adjusted and we've had some success since then going into the UPSL. We literally had no idea. We didn't even know what our conference was going to be. We didn't know if there were going to be multiple divisions. Um, the only thing that we got a look at was we 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 played a preseason friendly um, indoors against Inter Minneapolis, and that was kind of our only chance to like see what an eleven aside might look like against the team in our in our conference. Um, unfortunately, that game was actually mostly futures players, and weren't even guys. Maybe a handful of the guys. Uh, we're first or second team guys just filling in because of log- some of the logistic issues. So we got a chance to look at them. They didn't really get a chance to look at our team. Um, but with with the Minneapolis City 2, it, it's it's heavy college. So we didn't get a lot of our guys back until the beginning of the season. So Coach Prunty and Coach Lebon really didn't know what they were going to have. Um, and, and it was kind of like the running joke throughout the season, like, what are we going to build on this week with Minneapolis city too? Because we have three more guys coming in and we have, you know, mm-hmm. this guy dropping down from, from MC one because of, you know, he's gained some injury rehab. We have these four guys coming up from the futures program. So it was, it was just this like revolving door of how are we going to put this together and, and credit to the coaching staff because they were able to figure out um, pretty quickly on that the MPS or the UPSL Midwest West conference. I, I believe I got that right. Um, it's a mouthful to say. <laughs> uh, we we call no it UPSL knows, North. No to be honest, so yeah, yeah, UPSL Midwest West. I believe that's what the trophy says. <clears throat> Both <laughs> trophies. <say. clears throat> Excuse me. So 
we were we basically like after the first two weeks we're like you know what we have no idea what what's going to get thrown at us let's just forget about who we're playing and let's just work on our style and work on our personnel so the the coaching staff really did a fantastic job of just building a style of play and sticking with it and 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 with like the the goggles on of every player on this roster outside of maybe four or five that's even maybe conservative maybe two or three are are moving somewhere else to play in the fall. So mm-hmm. let's work on defining the system, defining how we play, perfect that as as best we can, and get these players not only to perform, but also to be better for wherever we hand them off to next. And that's really what the focus was. Um, and then it just started to become successful. You know, the first the first ever game for MC2 in the Midwest West regional conference. Um, they, uh, they tied inter Minneapolis in a game. I thought they should have won, but inter Minneapolis mm-hmm. came in with the fire and, and, and it was a two, two game, really good game. And that was the the turning point where it was like, okay, this might be the, the best that someone can throw at us until we get into the playoffs. So mm-hmm. let's use that as our benchmark and let's move forward off of that and then focus on us rather than focusing on what's coming at us. Where in the NPSL you're focusing on yourself, but also knowing like, okay, who are the teams historically? Who's coming back to them? Who do they have that's new? How did they do against this guy or that guy? And you know, you know, how are they in the table? We didn't do that with MC2. It was really a, an introspective season for that team. How important do you think? And you know, some some of this, some of what I'm about to reference, maybe affects on the pitch, maybe it doesn't. But it definitely felt like there was an effort uh, with MC2 to create, you know, individual identity. Um, you know, even the social media had different logos, you know, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you probably, if you had changed the name and not had that name there, you probably could have tricked someone to thinking it was an unrelated team. Um, how important do you think it was both to on the pitch performance and maybe also just to the strength of the program from a broader level to have the team, of course, be, be affiliated, be part of that umbrella, but also not feel like it was just this afterthought or asterisk to the first team? Sure. We would have actually not called it Minneapolis City 2 if the UPSL would have let us. Uh, oh, we really wanted to just go in as Minneapolis City, but we, for some reason, there's a rule. And I'm mm. still trying to figure out the UPSL rules. Um, but so if are there we. are Don't any, worry. If, yeah, if there so are, are they, any. probably. Shouldn't say that. <laughs> um, so we, <laughs> we were kind of handcuffed in it almost organically feeling like a different separate afterthought. And that was difficult because it, it, it never was and it, and it shouldn't have been, even if it organically moved to that um, internally. I know externally it did, um, but we, we tried, like you said, to give, give MC2 their own identity because it, it's, it's tough to, to have that number two next to your name. Everyone looks at you differently. Mm. I've seen MC1 and MC2 play each other multiple times behind closed doors and you'd be surprised at the outcomes of some of those games. Mm. Um, so it, it internally, it was never, never that, um, but externally it was, but you're, you're right. We, we tried to give them their own identity. And I think that kind of goes to what I, what I mentioned previously about the, the, the team itself, they took on their own identity. Um, but we, we call it the brotherhood. It, it's really just, everyone is in for the mission. And if the mission is you're on MC2, you're on the futures program or you're on MC1. Um, it's all, it's about us together 
no matter who's playing, um, you know, depending upon that given day or whatever it is. Um, so it, it was important to give them their own, their own set of wings to fly with. Um, but everybody internally was in for the greater good. When you, you know, now that, again, we've talked about kind of the digestion of the season, right. Um, you know, dealing with, you know, the unfortunate ways that, that, that both seasons (laughs) sort of ended, but at the same time, you had two teams under your Minneapolis city umbrella that made the final eight of their respective national tournaments. Have you and the guys talked about like, holy shit, like that's, that's pretty <laughs> awesome. Like, you know, obviously the first team, you know, we, we had aspirations to maybe take that further, take that into the final four that didn't go our way, unfortunately, but at the same time, we were able to get two teams into the quarterfinals of two separate national tournaments of the two largest leagues that are at this level of soccer. I mean, what, what goes through your mind when you, when you hear that and have you really thought about that aspect of it specifically? Yeah. I mean, after getting over what I now know, um, Mexican international fans feel coming out of Columbus considering we lost two nothing <laughs> in both of those national tournaments. Um, after getting over that piece, uh, it, we, we talked about it going in. Um, I, I don't, I'm not as involved in the day to day with the team, with the team as I, I had been in the past because we, we have the staff to do it now and we brought in the folks and, and it's important to let them do their jobs. But there are times where, I'm asked to help out because someone's busy and I'm kind of that, that catch all for if someone needs anything. So I I don't go to training as I don't go to every training anymore. Um, but they, they, the team trains, both teams train together out by me where I live. So it's kind of nice. I can just pop out there. It's like eight minutes from my house and I can just hang out a little bit, but I did come before both of the, 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 um, elite eight, we'll call them matches, um, to address the, the guys. And I just basically said like, how, how proud I myself, but also the club is of, of all these guys, because it, what you said is in, it is incredible. I mean, it's, it's not like an incredible sports moment in the history of sports, but for Mm -hmm. our little slice of pie, you look at one team in, in the, the MPSL team, which we really thought had a chance at like winning it all. And then you look at the UPSL team who, not that we discredited them and thought like they're not going to win anything. Um, but that what they did to, to come together as a team throughout the season and then push into the playoffs was, was fantastic. And we never would have thought that would have happened when we were, when we were hiring the coaching staff and we're like putting the team together. We knew that individually the players were strong. We knew that the, the roster was strong, but we didn't know what they were going to do when we put them together. And, and regardless of the outcomes of both of those games, which now we know are two zero losses, which will haunt me forever. Mm-hmm. Um, we just so proud because it, it, it's, a, it's a stepping stone on a long journey that we hope to continue to have. And, and I hope it's the stepping stone that, that pushes us into saying next time that we have two teams in final fours of national 
national tournaments. And then maybe we get one that wins a national tournament. And then maybe we strive to get two, you know, like it, it, it's, it's a stepping stone. That's all that lower league soccer is. It's one be sustainable and two build off next, build off last year and, and move on to the next year. And, and I can't look back too much on successes or failures, but I'm super proud of, of both teams this year. And, and, it just helps us raise our profile and and what we do and and we hope that it, it increases the in level and in increases the level of exposure to Minnesota soccer, which was ultimately why we started this whole thing. So um looks like we're a little bit pressed for time here. We've been going almost uh 50 minutes. John, Sorry, I'm so a appreciate talker. it. I'm a talker. I uh, I wanted to get into futures, but I think we may table that for a future conversation. So I I'm kind of disappointed we're not gonna be able to get to that. But I have two other questions. Um, that I really want to make sure two other topics that we want to make sure we touch on before we get out of here. Um, the first one being what's next for Minneapolis city. Um, there is a lot of talk in, you know, the soccer universe about, okay, Minneapolis city wins, you know, the, the conference for the third straight year. They do so with a plus 30, whatever goal differential, you know, should they, still be playing in the MPSL. That's that that's been a question. How do you guys look at that internally and how do you guys make those decisions in terms of what's next from a competition standpoint for 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 yourselves moving forward, specifically looking at the first team? I mean, it's just get a little bit better every year, honestly. And mm. if if there's people out there that are saying, you know, like should I don't know if it's necessarily people saying that should, should we be involved in the competition? Um, if they are, my answer to that is if, if you're worried about our success, then you need to level up internally. And that's just an honest mm. answer. Um, for ourselves, it's not necessarily looking at the, what we've done. It's more so um, just, like I said, getting better every year. And, and that's not just on the field. It's off the field. Um, it's, it's fine tuning the little things. It's, it's making sure that we're, we're, we're checking all the boxes. Um, so, you know, I don't have a, a super flashy answer for you. It's just, we just want to continue to, to get better at ourselves. And I, I think that what we're, we're organically moving into is not worrying about what everybody else thinks. It's time for us to just continue to do what we, what, what we're doing better every single year. And then hopefully the success continues to follow. I mean, every, every successful run has an end. So, mm-hmm. you know, and that's just history in, in sport. So we're, we want to just try to keep getting better and try to prolong that end until it, it eventually does happen at some, some way or another. So sorry, no sexy flashy answer for you on that one. That's all right. <laughs> that's all right. Um, and then the final topic here, John is um, really exciting one. Actually um, you guys are uh, testing your metal against some USL league one competition on Tuesday, September 7th going over to Madison to take on forward Madison. This is interesting because if you guys had won your opening round U.S. Open Cup playoff match in 2020, you would have gone to Madison to play the Mingos. You guys still mm-hmm. are technically undefeated in U.S. Open Cup competition, by the way. But um, <laughs> you guys finally get to have that match with forward Madison on Tuesday. Um, um, how did how long have these conversations been taking place, and how did this match come together specifically? I mean, honestly, it's, it's kind of been something that we've always wanted to do. I think both sides have, have always thought about it. Our, our seasons don't really like gel very well. Uh, the, the opportunity that we, a previous opportunity that we've had was kind of stifled by the fact that it was like 
moving out of our preseason and we didn't want to, we didn't, we couldn't make the travel work and you know, all the lower level soccer things. Um, and then the other opportunity we had was potentially butting up against games that they had and it never really worked. Um, the open cup would have been the, the stars aligning perfectly. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, the pandemic got in the way of that, but you know, we really were excited about the opportunity to take that team that we had built into that competition play in Chicago, hopefully win that game, then play, play Madison. And I think at that particular given time, that was probably the lowest point that Madison had been from a, a, a success standpoint and the roster standpoint, there was some significant turnover at that point. They were kind of rebuilding a little bit. And I honestly thought like we'd maybe be able to sneak one at that point. Um, now we're, we're carrying um, quite the heavy, heavy stick here seeing that their non their non-conference friendlies were it was Eintracht Frankfurt um and then now us mm -hmm. so <laughs> yeah. they're not going to quite get Eintracht Frankfurt but um you know I, I really wish we would have had the opportunity to kind of have the the full preseason maybe even during the season have our our our, our full strength but uh we're super excited about the opportunity win lose or draw uh, we're bringing a, a good mixture of, of players from all three of our programs, which is really the point, I think, um, is to is to not only play the game and increase that relationship, but also give the exposure to some of the players that, um, you know, across all of our programs. And uh, I think it's going to be super fun. Uh, and hopefully maybe uh, someone performs well and maybe the, the phone rings and, and Coach Craig will be interested in one of our players, which uh, which would be great. All right. Well, we'll be keeping a close eye on that. And obviously everything happening with Minneapolis city moving into the off season and into 2022, uh, John Bisworm took 57 episodes to get you on once. I don't think it'll yeah, take another 57 to have you on again. Enough. I'm sure we'll talk again soon. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Awesome. All right. Thank John you. Bisworm. Go ahead, John. Thank you so much, guys. Really appreciate you having me on. Um, I'm always open to talking, whether it's about us or just soccer in general. So you don't have to handcuff me into Minneapolis City. Uh, I'm happy to happy to chat with you guys. But I appreciate all the work you guys do. It really helps, um, you know, increase the profile of soccer in our state. And and it's it's awesome that that you guys are are a part of it. And welcome back. Thank you. It's good to be back. It's good to have you on. Um, and uh, we'll, we'll talk again soon. We'll talk about the futures program and some of the topics we weren't able to broach uh, today. And uh, again. We really appreciate you. John Bizworm, owner, founder of Minneapolis City and host of the Critically Acclaimed People's Pitch Podcast, which uh, <laughs> we'll famous. be back soon. Uh, you guys will, you guys do some occasional off-season content and things like that. So uh, go follow them there uh, for all that good stuff and at MPLS City SC on, uh, on all the socials there. John, thanks so much. Thank you guys. to 10. So we lost Jimmy there for a second.
Yep. Uh-oh. Yeah, we couldn't hear you just now. Okay. My my screen froze like crazy. So I apologize for that. We'll we'll edit that okay. out. Uh, okay. Uh, I was going to jump back into something, but Dominic, if you, <laughs> Dominic, if you have a if you have a, a question, go ahead. Uh, I was going to jump back in, but if you have a if you have a question, go for it. Uh, you can go ahead. You're good. Okay. Perfect.